everybody. So this is the Hallmarkies podcast, and this is our eighth episode of Chesapeake Chats, where we're talking all about Chesapeake Shores on Hallmark Channel, and the eighth episode of the third season. And I'm Rachel, and uh, Lisa is here. Hi, guys. <laughs> yes. So this is, we've only got two episodes left of the season, and this is the big episode where we have Megan reading the book. So uh, it's, it's, uh, it promised to be pretty exciting. <laughs> um, so uh, let's just dive in and we'll kind of share our overall thoughts as we go. I think it's probably the best way here. Okay. And okay. <laughs> the, the thing I want to say up front is that, you know, we just have to be honest with what our takes were. And if you love certain things that we didn't like, let us know in the comment section and on Twitter, and, and we'd love to hear your thoughts. Did uh, with uh, the inspection going on at the inn, and we find out that the inn is not only have termites, but it is like a complete teardown of termites. Like, this is... <laughs> Like they get the whole foundation. This thing's about to fall to the ground. And what did you think about this, Lisa? I thought, okay, termites. And then I thought there's going to be something else that pops up when she goes down. I did not think that it was going to be because the preview from last week, when Jess was like crying to Mick, I don't want to lose my in. I was like, okay, it's going to be something just she cannot come back from, or we think, or. So in termites, I was like, okay, this is the first step. But then they, she comes back and she's like, no, for real, this is total, total teardown. And I was like, wait a minute. I try not to build too much real life into these things because I know that a lot of this is for the drama. But wouldn't that have come up on her inspection when she bought the property initially? Wouldn't they have inspected underneath and saw that maybe all these joints were eaten down and they were all basically termites holding hands? Also, like keeping like, the place afloat. Also, like termites are disgusting. Like you would yeah. see if they if they were so bad that they literally were affecting the uh the structural integrity of the home, then you would not only see wood damage for sure, but you would also <laughs> like they're really gross and they would be everywhere, and especially someone like uh someone like Jess would definitely have noticed and uh <laughs> And you, you have to have like some kind of like debris or decay or wood damage of some kind. And I guess they were like trying to show that last week with him like kicking up against the oh. wall like that. But that's... You know I never even put two to two together that that was part of it. <laughs> but it's, uh, you know, most, most like places like an inn, I would have some kind of bug, uh, you know, quarterly yearly right. at least spraying your house like yes just for spiders and ants and whatever like we ran vacation rentals and we had every quarter the orchid people come and so like the only way that this like it is technically possible that a house can be rendered uh, structurally it loses structural integrity because of termites but like right. it would usually be something like there's a decaying 
uh, log pile, right? Yeah. And I haven't right. seen anything like that in the house. And it would take a long time. And for sure, they would notice something. This is people that are like super, uh, I don't know. These people are super negligent of their property and their home. <laughs> and it's this was so absurd. Like, what? <laughs> I mean, I just, I, I just really thought, okay, there, I mean, in commercial real estate, there's a due diligence process. And I figured at some point somebody would have requested either those reports like, hey, what's the old appraisal status of the building? Has it ever had any, you know, that's part of it. But I was like, okay, I'll take this with a grain of salt. And I thought, okay, it's, it's gonna roll into something else. But no, that was it. Termite. I mean, I know I'm not saying that they're not serious. For all the people that have suffered with termite damage, I'm very sorry. I'm not belittling yeah. your situation. I'm just saying, I really thought it was going to be. Honestly, I really thought it was going to be Alexandra that had come back and like secretly well, bought the place from under her or something. Yeah, that I mean, I thought like, or like, honestly, how amazing would it have been, even if it had been completely absurd, if Alexandra had like somehow snuck the termites in or something like that that would have been so fun and like delicious and ridiculous and fun and so i tweeted yeah. that out yesterday and the like one of the producers or whatever was like right i don't think that alexandra has access to that kind of bug inf to cause that kind of bug infestation i'm like oh i don't know she her family owns all of boston I this, bet is just, but this is just proof to me that i want this show to be something that it's just not like if yeah. he, he has that kind of answer to something like that just shows that they don't want this show to be dishy. They don't want it to be over the top. They don't want it to be fun. They just, they want it to be sweet and sincere and whatever and romantic. And that's fine. It's just not doing it for me on a weekly basis. And I would have been okay with that. Except in the first season, we had so many dramatic yeah, storylines. Yeah. Like if it would have just initially, but in the beginning, you know, if Kevin coming in, like barely hanging on to life yeah, and like you yeah. find out Jess almost died on her senior trip, you know, all these things that just, yeah. it, it, it felt like it was headed that way. Yeah. And even like uh, Trace with his accident, like that was at least a little interesting to me, you know, with him like right. dealing with like that feeling of, of, you know, and having struggled to get on the road again. Like that was something, you know, more, yeah. it was better than any, any conflict this season. <laughs> And, but even with it being completely absurd and them completely ruining the pecs and not monopolizing off of that fun situation they could have had, um, I could have been fine with it. But we'll talk about, you know, the solution to the problem. And like, and it was super romantic and we'll talk about it, but like, Jess is not allowed to struggle at all. And like, I mean... <laughs> <laughs> like what like yeah. I, I mean she's a grown woman and she like it's totally fine if like they want to give her a place to live or like figure out a solution or whatever but like why don't you show us her struggling and her learning and her growing as a character I think the right. actress is up for. She broke down with Mick. If we can go to that scene, just real yeah, quick, yeah. since we're talking about Jess, when she, I, 
I mean, that scene to me was really incredible. I loved her performance in that scene. Yeah. I was very, very upset for her because at that point, we weren't sure yet what the situation was going to be, if it was going to be resolved, if this was going to be leading up to a cliffhanger where she's without a place to work and a place to live. And I just, her, her just, this was my one chance to be successful like everybody else. And that's me. I mean, failing again. And I just, God, I felt so bad for her character. I just, it was so heartbreaking. I'm sure the termites would be covered in, in like home insurance. So, and she still has the land. So if she really does, if it's a complete teardown, then, you know, you just see her struggle with that and like struggle with the insurance and like, I don't know, just right. something that's interesting. Like, see a character grow and learn. Well, because she was all that way. But. Because when David came back and she was like, I probably, maybe I don't need you after all, you know, and I was yeah. doing fine without you. And I was like, yes, she's growing into herself. She's learning how to run the inn. And then I thought, okay, here it is. She get she got this high and they're going to knock her off and make her rebuild herself again. And yeah, I was very, you know, just as one of my favorite characters though so that's why i'm like yes let's let's watch her (laughs) i don't know it's frustrating uh but anyway so we got one of our breakfast scenes which are some of my favorites and you you totally had a uh i thought that i mean i do love andrew francis everyone knows that but (laughs) i thought that he was pretty strong in this episode he was one of the highlights i thought connor's character both uh with the things with Danielle and the thing and the scene with Brie, which we'll talk about. I thought that overall, uh, Andrew Francis did the best job. I think this episode. Yeah. He looked like he was getting his confidence back, you know, after leaving his big corporate lawyer position, he kind of, you know, was floundering, wondering what to do. It felt like, and then the knockdown by, you know, Mick and (laughs) that whole fight, it felt like, you know, he's just kind of lost a little bit. And so it was nice to see the, the arrogant like cocky yeah. connor bag which is funny i like him because <laughs> he's learned and he's learned and grown as a character and he's you know he's not perfect and i mean it was just really funny he's like oh is that applause for me because <laughs> <laughs> they're planning this party for kevin because he wants to be an em or he graduated the emt course and but he doesn't really want to party um but then we find out that megan has read the book and we get her slamming the door and uh telling brie that you know if you think that this is who i am then you do not know me at all which i felt that in my bones that was yeah. a mom move and i was just <gasps> yeah i i i really i liked most of this <laughs> and barbara never was great in the role and I think that the different, the whole idea of sort of them having these different perspectives is interesting because that's a true thing. I mean, they even talked about like witnesses in a trial and it is true that like, if, if you're, uh, if you're questioning a witness in a trial and the person tells the story exactly the same way every time, then that's like signs that they're not being honest. Cause that's not like a human they're just reciting it because it's human nature for everybody to see things in different perspectives and even each time you tell it to be slightly different and and, oh this time i'm going to talk about the you know the black shirt that he wore or this time i'm going to talk about the shoes he was wearing or whatever and uh and so anyway i like that idea 
of them having these different perspectives and them kind of coming to uh to fruition and so uh there i have and i guess i think i'd like it more if i had confidence in the show that they were going to it was really going to pay off and it was going to be handled right <laughs> right but i don't uh so anyway i will talk some more about that but then we get uh trace coming in to chris and mick and claiming that well first he's like uh why can't we have a open mic night and why can't we do all the stuff and and like it just boggles my mind because you're talking like he was like oh this is supposed to be a place for like small bands and stuff like that like well, the way that he is pitching it he himself and his band would not be able to perform at the bridge <laughs> would not be welcome at the bridge no, because <laughs> like what like i i mean if you really believe there's all these paparazzi and stuff out of which we've been sold the rest of the season so you know, they've, they've forgotten about him and he's in one place now they could just stock out the <laughs> stock out the interest of the bridge yeah, that's right i know <laughs> uh and so like he's running a business chris and mick know how to run businesses and yet he still wants to go out on the road so he should be grateful that they're like, okay, we're going to take this off your hands and we're going to allow you to still do your singing and this will be great. He should be grateful. Like, what does the man have against waffles? That's what I wonder. <laughs> Anybody that denies breakfast food is the food of all day. I don't approve. Uh, Trace. No. Yeah. And this is some like established place. <laughs> What's that? The punk place CBGB's before yeah, right. know, something like that yeah yeah something like that 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 like people had you know it's like he's talking about it like it's the Grand Old Opry or something like that you know like it's like this institution that had been around for generations and how dare they and you're like what this is just like a little bar in Chesapeake Shores and like Chesapeake Shores is not like it, it's also it's not like it's Nashville you know what I mean like some right. place it's like huge music identity it's or Memphis or someplace like that and right. uh, like they they should be perfectly fine like having big bands and serving waffles like what <laughs> I just I just can't I'm, I'm gonna say right now that if I bought tickets to a show and I went into the club and they were serving waffles I would be pumped <laughs> yeah. you could even have chicken and waffles they could make crab cakes and waffles you could fit waffles into any meal yeah I mean and I guess part of me just I know it's again drama because maybe they're trying to build Trace up as a leader and this is where he makes the decisions to stay so that way he can have full control over the club, fine. But there's no, there seems to be no compromise. Why can't they just, I know he said we could have, we still get to have, you know, open mic night and um, good old Chris, Mr. Waffles is like, no. <laughs> but I mean, one night a month, one a couple of nights a month where you profile local talent i don't see anything wrong i mean yeah that kind I'm of with stuff you, in the end out. i'm with you like it, it comes down to it's a business yeah. we're here to make money and i i think even um chris says it we're not a charity we're not running a charity we're right. trying to make money here 
Yeah. Yeah. This isn't like the music store in, uh, in wedding of dreams. Like this, this is a restaurant, you know, whatever bar, like that's the key. And, and like Trace is the one who screwed up. He's the one who ate the problem and Mick and Chris are just trying to clean up from his mistake. He should be grateful. And, and why haven't we pursued the storyline of getting this guy that stole all this money? Right. That yeah. would be interesting. You could put Connor on the case, him and him and Mel. Oh my gosh. I would love it. Yeah, that would be amazing. <laughs> I, the only part I liked about this whole thing was the fact that, um, uh, uh, the the actor Giles Penn he was so funny on Twitter. <laughs> it was when he turned around and smiled. Oh, and waffles! I died laughing. <laughs> I just yeah. I yeah. want to be that joyous about anything. <laughs> he was a delight, and we actually yes. interviewed him. Uh, and but he was just so funny on Twitter that <laughs> he's like Trace. Yes an idiot and we're like yes we agree and we're like we're team make the team chris and he's like good choice <laughs> smart choice 100%. Um, and i have not been anti-trace i've not been on that bandwagon i don't have a problem with trace i don't have a problem with him wanting to be a singer i defended him against all the mom guilt i think that's ridiculous but like when he is being nonsensical and being stupid i'm gonna call him out on it and and so it's just crazy ridiculous i yeah i'm with you i would be very excited if someone said here let me help you make more money at this club while you go make money pursuing your musical dreams yeah thank you right plus waffles all you can eat waffles when you come back in town yeah where do i sign right done Sarah and kevin eating lunch and sarah became my favorite person because she was the finally somebody who says that Philadelphia, Chesapeake Shores, and New York aren't that far apart. Two hours. No big deal. I'm like, I love you. Because I, I just, like, we talked about this last time, so I guess we don't need to go over it a ton. But, like, it's true that you can, taking transit, go from Philadelphia to New York City in an hour and i found this whole article about uh <laughs> <laughs> about what's called super commuters and super commuters there's uh 627,000 super commuters in uh in new york alone and this is where any part of your commute takes you over 90 minutes each way so right. this philly wouldn't even qualify <laughs> super commuter unless you're driving which takes an hour and 44 minutes according to my right and uh and so the uh so this is just not a big deal because it's not even like like if he's working in new york city she's in philadelphia like they can see each other every single day if they want to like hundreds of thousands of people do it every day right I mean, people do it from where I live currently, work in the city, which, you know, New York, they go every day and come back because it's cheaper to live in Connecticut. I mean, I personally don't think I can do it, but that's just because I don't want to sit on a train for four hours a day, but it can be done. People do it all the time. Yeah. So Philadelphia is, I guess, the fifth highest super commuter city 
out of yes. going to New York City. So, uh, and I found this, even this article about, uh, I'm a super commuter between Philly and New York City. And she talked about all why she did it. She does it and everything. And uh, she says, <laughs> she says, Philadelphia is my wife. New York is my mistress. <laughs> <laughs> if he got the job in New York, she got the job in Philly. First of all, they could, if they ended up getting married, uh, they're not even engaged yet. If they ended up getting married, they could live in like Trenton. <laughs> just like right in the middle halfway yeah hey perfect they could live in trenton then be it'd be no problem <laughs> yeah i my issues here were two things one is they're sitting there at lunch and basically sarah's like oh yeah i start next week um hello really like there's not a conversation at all. They've already, they've said the I love you's. It's not, it's not like, or it's not, they weren't just casually dating. They finally made the leap to I love you. Yeah. And there's no conversation about who's taking what job and making plans. I mean, she just, <laughs> I, I'm glad for her. I mean, I think that speaks to, hey, do what you got to do and, you know, girl power and all that. But in the end, they both, claim to be like into the whole thing and I'm just I was struggling because I thought not one conversation about should I what would you like me to do I mean I'm going to do what I want to do anyways but I'd still like to hear your opinion and then um yeah it just it, it just seems like a non uh, in the end it seems like a non-issue because yeah. it's not that far apart no it's a non-issue and I'm just hoping that it's not a prelude to him not being on the show anymore i know they haven't announced a season four yeah but i just hope it's not a way for kevin to exit the series you know in terms of well he'll work in new york and then maybe eventually there's some one-liner well he moved to philly to be with sarah and then they're both gone and that's it yeah because i've liked their characters and this season pretty much but I just don't like this conflict. I, this conflict is so dumb. I just can't. I maybe it's just because I grew up in Maryland. It's just too like ridiculous for me. I can't suspend disbelief. We have this whole thing between Abby and Terry, and Terry is asking Abby for advice on this deal she's thinking of making for Miss Marvel cleaning products. And I, I thought that. So I have no problem with Abby being kind of rude and struggling with jealousy. That's totally fine. My problem is I feel like the show was trying to justify her, her jealousy, trying to justify her actions as being blunt and honest. And somehow that she was like, that that was like the, the bold thing to do or something. And I don't think so at all. I think that, so here is somebody who is in your life, whether you like it or not, she's coming to you for advice, even paying you for said advice. You should not be rude like she was, you know, saying, well, if we were friends, let's just imagine, like that was so yeah. rude. She was so rude, I thought, throughout the whole thing. And I, again, I have no problem with her being rude if she's learning and growing as a character. Uh, but I do have a problem if we're expected to applaud that. And I totally felt like yeah. they wanted us to. Hey, I didn't, when she first said it, I thought, okay, she's trying to bypass the awkwardness by making a kind of like a sarcastic joke. 
Um, but the more she talked, I was like, I need you to tap on the brakes there, yeah, ma'am, because I- she is coming to you with a with an issue, and you, and I feel, and maybe it's not jealous because originally I thought they're not going to pull the jealousy on her ex-husband because that's not been an issue at all. And it would be weird for her all of a sudden to be jealous that her ex-husband's with somebody considering she's with somebody. And I thought, well, maybe it's the jealousy that this person that she lived up to or looked up to you for so long by reading the blog. Now she's in her life. Oh, yeah. This perfection is in front of me. Yeah, It's not Terry's fault. If Abby thinks that she's, too perfect that's like people that get mad at the girl in uh in school who tries really hard you know like oh (laughs) oh thanks for uh, your teacher's pet or whatever and it's like no they just studied and actually put forth the effort like sorry if that bothers you no um and they've given us zero reason to dislike terry there's nothing underhanded that she's doing there's nothing like she has been nice to her children she has she has been very cordial and friendly to Abby. She is coming to her for advice and counsel, which, and so I don't know, I just thought that Abby was super rude and I was not a fan of that. So can I just ask you real quick, just going back a little bit. So did they ever explain Terry runs Miss Marvel full time or does she have another job on top of that no i think that she runs it full time i get the impression that they're trying to make her like the pioneer woman or something like that right which i'm all on board that's great i think people that make a living by blogging is amazing and yes show me your ways because (laughs) i know for real but um so she works at home probably you know, maybe with a small staff, but she probably works at home or works remotely. So of course you can do all that stuff. When you work on your own timeline, of course you can do all that stuff. And I feel um, Abby's, you know, that episode when she was running herself ragged, trying to keep up with the kids and do all that stuff. Well, you have a full-time job. I cannot do, I'm in awe of some of these moms around here that I know because of how much they put in at my, at our mutual children's school. Uh-huh. unfortunately i can't because i work full-time on time right. yeah so i can't and i feel but you know but everybody has a different way of contributing <laughs> <laughs> because yeah like it, it's weird because the only real like working mom guilt that we've seen has been to trace. <laughs> like, like abby is feeling competitive but we haven't really seen her feel i i don't feel like that like depressed or like she thinks she's a bad mother or and all of that could be fine and could be interesting and i could be invested but i haven't really seen it really it's been more like trace why aren't you as involved as i am why aren't you yeah. you know kind of thing and i'm like i don't know i'm just you so put a ring on his finger abby yeah oh. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, anyway, so I did, like I said, I really liked Connor in this episode. I thought the whole scenes with Connor and Danielle, with this whole case or whatever, were kind of flirty and were sort of fun. Did you like that at all? No. No, why didn't you like it? I don't, because there's other people in the world that Connor can be with. (laughs) That's fair. I'm reaching. I'm reaching. (laughs) Because if, if, you know, did if sarah goes to philly and kevin goes to new york and they can still date then connor can spread out to a 100 mile radius <laughs> and find someone else to, to date I, I don't think he'd have a problem on like e-harmony i think he'd do really well i mean 
Not that Danielle's not super cute. I really enjoy her outfits. I yeah. do. When she comes on screen, I kind of make a mental note. I think <laughs> I out of my closet. It was just However, kind of pleasant and I don't know. I it was I, cute that first season when they were taking the bar together and they look back at each other and giggle, and I thought that's cute. But yeah, Connor, I want some real. <laughs> I want some real dramas. Who would I? For I you and yeah. Oh, somebody on Twitter, um, Angela B. Pa- Angela. Oh, Kuhn. yeah, yeah, Angela. Yeah. She said, why not with, um, what's her name? The Trace, the girl with Trace. Um, oh, Lee. Lee, because they had their moment in the first season. Yeah. Why can't she come back in? And, that um, could be really interesting. I'd be fine with that. That would be really contrast and somebody different that he'd have to learn to work with. Or, uh, yeah, or, you know, they could bring in somebody interesting i mean i guess kimberly susted is gonna be in the next two episodes is, is what i heard i'm sorry uh, could you say that in my good ear what happened who <laughs> kimberly susted's coming to just pick shorts are you kidding <laughs> that's that was the word on the street who knows Odes, uh the next two episodes caroline okay, moss i am so flipping excited <laughs> bring it on uh chaos reigns with the closure of the bridge the o'briens are at war over Bree's manuscript kevin is heartbroken visiting sarah's fa- oh she's gonna be one of sarah's family boo <laughs> maybe she'll make a play for kevin <laughs> that would be good i'd watch that um okay so okay, yes sorry. uh we do, 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 do let's see here um yeah so I just said, if Trace really is as famous as the paparazzi se- segment suggests, then he can buy Mick out and run the bridge as a failing business, as, as arts content. Like, <laughs> as a failing business. <laughs> go for it. <laughs> I, I don't know. So, okay. So, uh, <laughs> um, so then we had, I thought, a, a pretty nice scene. Probably one of the better scenes of the season, if you ask me was this scene between Marie and Connor at the bookstore talking about uh, growing up and their their experiences with their mom. And uh, Connor says, I don't remember the fighting all that much, but I do remember hiding in the bushes with Jess a lot. So yeah, thought that was pretty well done. I know. And they both got teary. And then she went into his little brotherly nook and I... It was very sad. Like, um, you view your parents one-dimensional for a very long time, and you don't really appreciate that they are actually were full people before they became parents with their own emotions and struggles and and whatnots. And I think it only gets stronger as you get older, and not to say that it has to be, this has to be part of it, but it certainly does add to the fact when you have your own kids and you start to realize, oh, crap, I'm in charge of these tiny people and I still feel 12 myself. What is going on? <laughs> and you kind of realize more and more like how your parents did it all. And you think, yeah. God, we all don't know what we're doing. <laughs> we're all just, it's all smoke and mirrors. And and so I, I, I feel that that was a little bit step in that direction Connor was trying to lead her and say look that's when they start talking about the you know when he starts talking about the 
interviewing witnesses and stuff. And I just wanted to reach the screen and grab Connor's face and say, yes, yes, exactly. It's, yeah. it's a hard thing to wrap your brain around until yeah. you get a little bit older. And <laughs> it's true. I, I think you do reach a moment in your like, I don't know, in your twenties or whatever you, the, the, cause, cause it's hard because your parents for so long are the authority figure. And so like, it's so easy to call it hypocrisy and authority figures. Like, how can you tell me to blank when you did this or you are doing right. this or you're imperfect? Like, how can you be the boss of me? And <laughs> sure, as a parent, you recognize that more than I do. But yeah, where you do realize that like, oh, oh, wow. Like they're, they were just people trying to figure it out every day. Yeah, like you're parents have the same feelings and frustrations and hopes and devastations and everything just like you and drama and oh my gosh I like this person do they like me about all of that and it yeah. you you lose sight of that for so long because you don't know that part you just think mom and dad and that's it and then you reach a certain age you're like oh, they were actual people yeah well and, and the truth <laughs> the truth is too is that you, I do believe absolutely that you have to acknowledge problems and talk them out and, and holding them inside will just eat you up alive for the mm -hmm. most part that you can go overboard. But uh, for the most part, I believe in being honest and truthful with your emotions. And, uh, and then you learn as you grow older, how to deal with those and how to make progress. And, uh, but on the other hand, like if you're bitter about another person, there's really nothing that other person can do. Like you are, the, that's why the, you know, the Bible says like you are commanded to forgive everyone because that grudge and that anger is only hurting you. It's not hurting Megan. I mean, aside from it making her feel sad, but as far as like, there's nothing Megan can do about it. It's happened and the past is painful and it's hard, but I love love the movie saving mr banks have you ever seen it once yes i love it. i mean it's about walt disney hello i mean i i'm a huge <laughs> disney person but yes. there's a great scene in that movie where walt disney is talking about his dad and he's talking about how his dad made him deliver newspapers three times a day in the bitter cold uh, every day and how he would get you know, the, the rough end of a belt if he, if he didn't do it. And, and right. he says, he says, what I love so much is that he says that I don't tell these things to make you sad. Uh, and he says, I love my dad. Every day goes by that I don't think of that little boy in Missouri, in Kansas city, it lost in the snow. And he says, and he says, Miss Travers, I'm tired of remembering it that way and that i'll never forget that it was just when i first heard that i just started to cry because i think that is such a true thing that you yeah. hold on to these things and they just like make you so bitter and you do kind of have to reach a point where you say i'm tired of remembering it that way i'm tired of right. living my life with this like weight on me and i need to forgive and i think that that's what's happening with brie is that brie needs to forgive See, and I was hoping for a lot of this between her and Jess because, you know, at the beginning of the series, we just saw so much of Jess's pain. And I was hoping that, yeah. you know, eventually we would touch on 
the both of them because they seemed to be the ones most affected just because they were part of the younger crew and probably Connor. Yeah, Connor as well. Too. And, and I agree. And we, you know, we guessed their ages at one point. And so they're probably still in their 20s, all of them, correct? Like, I think that's how we established. Except for Abby, that. I think we said that, um, and Kevin, I think they're in their 30s. In their 30s and then the rest are in their 20s. And I, I feel yeah. as though, you know, it comes with age, not to say right. that their characters are young and goofy, just saying. I became a lot more aware once I hit 30. And yeah. now that I'm in the fourth decade, I call my mom and I'm like, sorry. Oops. That's why I really struggle watching movies about like coming of age movies, like Edge of 17 and Lady Bird and movies like that, because I just feel so bad. Not that I was like that bad of a kid, but I was eh, I definitely had my moments. And I call my mom. I'm so sorry. I was such a jerk. I was terrible. I don't know how you put up with <laughs> I, like, I find them uh really sometimes hard to watch <laughs> yeah yeah they really suck at me I mean I wasn't terrible I didn't like get arrested or anything but I was you should pretty go, watch those you watch those with your kids and you feel like someday someday yeah. you'll feel bad any ideas yeah <laughs> uh anyway I thought it was a really good scene with I loved it. I it was one was, of my favorites. Yeah. yeah, it was really good. Yeah, you see the funny scene with Jazz like storming out of the B&B. I, 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 I just, I wish that they. It's frustrating because there was so much potential with the packs to either like make them interesting or to make them like way over the top and fun and they chose to do neither and so it makes it just makes david so bland he's a knight in shining armor he's perfect he always says the right thing he doesn't even need to be paid for his efforts his job he's literally just like a manservant for jess's like every yeah. whim like i don't want and a relationship totally like that it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, tactically, it's it would be fun for like a month, and then I want somebody who has opinions, and it, right. <laughs> it kind of reminds me of this one guy that I, I I'm not gonna say I dated him, but I went on some dates with him, and he was kind of in my peer group for a while, and he absolutely drove me crazy because he had <laughs> no opinion. Like, nice, sweet guy, he really is, but for me he drove me crazy because he had no opinions about anything. Like uh, one time he, we did this like charity auction thing and I put up that I would make like three meals. And of course he won. And I was like, Oh, Oh, <laughs> I told my roommate, I'm like, you have to be there. I'm not going to know anything to talk about because when people are like, Oh, Hey, what's your favorite movie? They're not like quizzing you. They're just trying to start a conversation. Like, you don't have to be like, right. <laughs> you don't have to be like, I don't know. Let's weigh it out. And like, they're just asking you to mention a movie that you like and then we can talk about right. it. Oh, back and forth. You're just trying to start a conversation. And yeah, he he had no, he's like, oh, I like everything. It's all good. Like, oh. And so I asked him, what do you want for these meals? And he was like, uh, he's like, whatever you want, just no mushrooms. I was like, <laughs> 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 like what? And, and I don't know, I feel kind of like, David is like a, a dreamier version. I'm no mushroom man. Yeah, Just no call mushroom him mushrooms, man. David. Yeah, no mushroom Just man. No mushroom. It's like have a have an opinion. Like be, uh, like you can be introverted and shy, 
but like right. still have an opinion and, and and i don't know just be a person like he's not a well-written character he's just not i i find him incredibly you know charming and swoony yeah but yes there's not a lot for him to do which kind of stinks because i really like carla marx as an actor yeah, me too and you know he's obviously very easy on the eyes so yes yeah. let's have him on screen more i like all um, of these actors i do i like every single person in this cast i do so for me at least and yeah so then you have trace meeting with this lawyer guy and and then you have nell and megan eating lunch and nell says the past isn't sitting still everyone has their own past and their own way of seeing it and here's my thing that would be fascinating and if i was writing the show what i would do have megan write her own book that would be so interesting right yeah she would mm -hmm. learn and it would be interesting and it would be interesting for Bree to read the book and it would probably cause more conflict and i mean i don't want a whole season on a book but that would be really cool right you've already done a whole season on the book we've had seven manuscripts <laughs> <laughs> but i think that would that be good yes right well i mean It'd be funny if she just took a red pen and just started marking on every page her side of the story and she came back to Bree and read she, this. She could get <laughs> she could get Kimberly Sested to be the ghostwriter <laughs> for her book. And she can write it her <laughs> Yeah. Oh well. But uh but yeah, that's when we get uh more of we get the passive aggressive meeting between Abby and uh, Terry, which I was not a fan of, and we have more of Connor and Danielle, and then we get uh, Trace putting in the the papers, the contract or whatever, and I just said on Twitter, "Ugh." <laughs> I Is agree with Nick. Nick? Yeah, Is I this said, when he gives the yeah papers? The, the papers. Yeah, I said I agree with Mick. Trace is behaving like a moron. So well. It was a very, very Silver Fox hot dad moment when Mick was like, you don't want to do this. I was like, yeah. yes, yes, I do, Mick. Oh, wait, you're not talking to me. Dang it. I'm talking yeah. to Chase. Oh, announcement that Kevin is going to New York and that Sarah will be in Philly. And Sarah, meanwhile, is like, that's fine. We'll be fine. Yeah, and she's all, like, bye. Yeah, all of us are like, yes, we agree. That'll be fine. This meeting between uh, between Abby and Terry, where he, she explains that this is, I guess, a bad company. That the products, like, I guess, the one product is going to be organic, but then the other products aren't going to be organic or something. Uh, I don't know. And she's just like, "Would you would you want to go into this business? Like, you, sh how do you feel about it?" And she was kind of Socratic method methoding her <laughs> on it, um, and yeah i just my comment was i'm confused does the show want us to dislike abby and all of this she's being kind of awful if you ask me if right the show, if the show wants abby to be a flawed character struggling with jealousy then i'm all about that but i didn't get that vibe from the scene at all terry is asking for help and then somebody said i loved abby's honesty that's the sign of a true friend and i said i like the honesty but i feel she's being kind of mean about it when terry hasn't been anything but nice 
it's not her right. fault. Abby finds her too perfect. Like, did you, you agree that that wasn't like, she wasn't being refreshingly honest in my opinion. I, they, they tried to couch it that at the beginning when, um, Terry said, you know, um, Wes said, you'd be nothing but honest. Great. You're right. Because that's what we've heard. Nothing about Abby. You know, that's the only thing we've ever heard about Abby in her career that she's this like hard, you know, knows honest, doesn't matter, you know, just going to tell you the truth, which is great. But I agree with you. I felt it tilted a little too much on the, um, on the condescending side, Uh like, um, just kind of aggressive for no reason. I didn't understand the shortness. Um, yeah, I don't know. The whole thing just played very very passive aggressive. Yeah. The whole thing just played very odd to me when it could have been, um, a very sweet moment yeah trying to bring those two i mean in the end they come together but it was it felt it felt like pulling teeth to get it to that point yeah i agree i agree so then we have a scene between megan and brie brie says uh i mean uh and megan says that uh you know it wasn't as easy as you made it seem and so here's so she says I wasn't well, Brie. If I had stayed, I would have brought you all down with me. So, so that's obvious. And she talks about how she didn't even get out of bed uh, after she had Jess. And so they're obviously implying some kind of postpartum depression, which could be really interesting. But here's the thing. If she truly had no visitation and no custody at all like the only reason that would happen is if she was unfit to parent basically and decided by the courts as an unfit parent did not get any visitation at all mm-hmm. uh i mean it's not like she was the, the kids were like spending christmas at her house or like spending the summers with her or so, something like that you know she had no involvement is from all i can see from all they've told us so she had no custody of any kind so either she was seen as an unfit parent because of these things and i i find it very hard to believe that the show is truly going to dive into that we'll Mm -hmm. see but it would have to be very severe (laughs) if she was truly found to have no visitation with her children and the other thing that could be the reason is if literally Mick was like the worst bully ever and didn't allow her any contact with her children, which I don't think they're going to go either. So for her, or third choice, she just didn't want any contact with her children, which she says, of course she doesn't. She, it was about love. So it doesn't make any sense to me. Like, I don't know. What do you think about that? Well, I've had a lot of feelings about the potentials of Megan's backstory for a very long time, pretty much from the first moment they introduced her character into the series uh-huh. and um, not knowing until now, at least a, a small part of what, what happened. It's hard to fully, you know, like explain, but I just, I've felt a severe kinship, kin- like <laughs> with a kinship with Megan because it's it's overwhelming at times um and I've told this to people before I was very very lucky um I had a little bit of postpartum depression but it wasn't 
and it wasn't that intense. Um, I was very lucky in my situation to have a lot of support. Yeah. Um, but I could see quick, I could see how it would very quickly delve into something else. Uh Um, and it's one of those things where I tried to explain to somebody, I said, you don't know until your kids are there and then you have kids. There's no, yeah. well, I just, I'm going to return them to the store. I don't really like that. It's, it's a done deal. And yeah. you don't know how you're going to react. You don't know how your body's going to react mentally, physically, emotionally. You don't know any of those things. You don't know how it's actually, everybody's an amazing parent until they become parents. Yeah, yeah. that's totally fair. <laughs> everybody's like the best parent ever until they actually become parents. You're like, holy crap, it's real. Um, and this is what I wrote about Megan. And I said, I feel so much for her, the character Megan, because knowing that you'll never be able to explain fully why you made the choice you made and or sacrificed so much, knowing you'll always be the mom that left and that's it. You'll just always be known as the mom that left. It's so painful Um, knowing that you're making that choice, knowing that it's never going to be no one's ever going to know the re you know how you feel about it and society's pressures on moms in general your own expectations and mom guilt and everything kind of rolled into one and at that point I also feel like there was a point where Mick probably felt really angry that she left and resentful and there was probably some well then you just can't see them yeah bitterness which like I said this is when I go back to we're all real people, not just one dimensional parents. And I'm sure that it was a very hard, <laughs> lots of fighting and lots of, and for me, if she left and got better, I can see immense guilt and shame yeah. of not wanting to go back, not knowing how to explain to her kids, especially if her kids are, even if they don't, you know, deep down, obviously they were very, very traumatized. You can tell. Brie and you know like we just wanted you yeah um but thinking if I go back and ruin it yeah they're settled and then I go back will it fall apart again am I going to be the reason I that fall apart falls apart again I'm already damaged I already left they're in a better place without me maybe I'll just stay away I just I guess it's just surprising (laughs) to me that she wouldn't want any custody she wouldn't want any like I don't know. Oh, I like, guarantee that she did. I just don't think it was ever. Mom guilt is a very big thing, yeah. and I can't even imagine being put in that position again. What I was very lucky in my situation. Yeah. Um, I <laughs> there was a good year there, <laughs> but yeah. again, I was very lucky. <laughs> yeah. No, I appreciate you sharing that, and I I haven't had postpartum because I haven't had any children, but I've definitely struggled with my own uh brands of mental health uh so i can appreciate what you're saying uh i it's a little frustrating that you know on her twitter she says i have written reams of backstory but they are not conveyed in the time frame of the scenes we've shot megan left because she and mick were always fighting but he wouldn't let her take them with her she left out of love right so uh I don't know, like, the, it's it's just kind of, that's frustrating to me. If that's the case, and she, yeah. 
has all of this backstory and wants to delve into the character more and they're not doing it because of time when you have all of these stories that aren't interesting at all and here's a story that's actually interesting think of all of that time that we spent with simon and brie and the book and we could have had we could have had some scenes with with megan maybe reading her old diary or something and talking about like wow i i I was really in this just dark space and right. I, I just wasn't, it wasn't safe for me to be around you or I was just feeling so insecure or unhappy or something. We have not gotten, we've just gotten this one line about her sleeping all the time. And uh, after she had Jess and one line about her not being well. Right. <clears throat> so I don't know, I guess if I had more confidence in the show about how it's handling conflict, I would be more interested, but I do think that the core idea is good. And Barbara Niven is very good and she was very moving. And I think a lot of women like yourself would be able to relate to what she was going through. Um, it just, I guess it just surprises me a little bit that she wouldn't have had any custody at all. I guess. I legit cried during that scene because it's just so painful. Just the thought of the choices that sometimes you have to make. Yeah. I mean, not saying that everybody has to suffer through the thought of separation yeah. forever from their children, but um, just the thought of all the choices that she made and you're just doing the best you can at the time. Yeah. Nobody's given a guidebook on how to, yeah. well, care, but was, you're right. I mean, it's, it's an odd thing to think of not once, you know, and I just, I want to see more of that. And I agree, I agree with you. It was frustrating to read that tweet only because if there's so much backstory, I'm like you, I wish we could have explored it earlier in the season guts where we are now, uh-huh. like in episode three like, or four and had the rest of the season to like, honestly, if this is really true and that Mick wouldn't let her be with her children and he wouldn't let her take them with her, and wouldn't let her have any custody then then like her kind of i feel like her i i felt like i feel like you know like since just when they're just sort of sitting and it was like is this a date i don't know whatever you know i feel like yeah. that would be way more like crazy and hard to deal with and, like oh my gosh i can't believe like i can't believe i'm like this is happening or something right. you know like that would have had way more weight but anyway she uh it is an interesting thing and like it is true that when dealing with mental health crisis in our lives uh that it can seem like everything is going perfect especially to kids they can see it and be like your life is great like you had everything why do you throw it all away where like in in your head everything is just swirling and i i remember when i um I've talked a lot on this podcast about when I finally quit this job that was just making me miserable. And mm-hmm. on the surface, people probably thought I was living the dream. You know, I was working for a family company. I had benefits. I, uh, I was, I was going to grad school. Uh, I was living in this apartment with very nice people that were super supportive. My roommates and I got along great at that place. Uh, all these things were positive. And I remember, I, I remember my mom saying to me one time, like, you've faced so many trials. Like, why is this especially hard? And I remember saying to her, every other thing I've ever gone through, 
I could see the like light at the end mm-hmm. of the tunnel. Yeah. I can't now. I just, there's like this black cloud over my life. I don't know how to make it go away. And it yeah. just was there. And I just felt like I was incapable of feeling joy. And that was right. brutal. And, and it wasn't until I got out of that situation, if I finally said enough is enough and had a nervous breakdown, I was like, this is it. I'm done. I'm leaving. And I, I quit my job and, and it was a really empowering moment for me. And I just promised myself, I will never allow myself to yeah. feel that way again, ever. Yeah. And yeah. so it is, it, you know, it's, it's super easy to judge someone like Megan and be like, how could you leave five kids exactly. and mother? You don't know what's going on in your head. Right. And that's, that's part of why I feel so much for her. And I have since day one is because there had to be a lot for her to leave and again she'll always be no matter what the mom that left and I just it's hard like I um just very quickly I had a job like that too where I physically became ill going to the job my anxiety was at an all-time high I was in the peak of some you know depressive situations and I just I couldn't do what I was doing anymore and I took a huge pay cut and I left and it made all the difference in the world but in the in leaving I left a group of you know kids I was you know working with and I couldn't really tell them the whole thing I just I wasn't in a place to tell them and plus you know it's really hard to explain to kids and admit <laughs> all these things to kids and yeah um and especially because there was a lot of behind the scenes stuff with other colleagues that was happening and I just felt like I cannot talk bad about the people I'm leaving to these kids because they're still with these people and I can't be all well you don't know what they did to me blah, 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 because well then I'm gone and these kids are left with these opinions of these people that they don't know that side of them they're not on this the working side you know if that makes sense yeah I couldn't leave them with these with my bad impressions out of revenge or something because that wasn't very fair and so part of me feels like maybe there was a lot of really bad stuff with Mick and Megan and she felt like I can't tell the kids that that's their dad (laughs) that just makes me sound even more (laughs) pitiful and revengeful if I just go on about her dad all the time how (laughs) terrible he is (laughs) right yeah I mean it's it's a it's it's a hard thing everybody's situation is different but right and and you have to also consider the fact that this would have happened in the uh 70s 80s which is a different era of mental health like it's a different time and I mean this is now we're talking like way further back but my uh my grandmother had uh, a uh, without airing too much dirty laundry she had a (laughs) a truly horrific traumatic event happen to her as Mm -hmm. when she was like uh I don't know like 1920 something like that and they they never talked about it ever again ever and it wasn't until she she uh she went through a bout of pretty severe depression when she was in her 80s and and all of that stuff had to be dealt with (laughs) that she'd been holding on and not dealing with since she you know for 60 years it doesn't go away it doesn't (laughs) you know uh it's it's really it's a fascinating thing the human brain is fascinating um anyway so yeah it's pretty i really appreciate you sharing that and 
it, it yeah, I, same with you. I mean, it's hard to speak about it, but I'm glad we yeah, are, you know? Yeah. And yeah, we'd love to hear, uh, your guys, if you're listening, your guys' thoughts, um, about, uh, you know, about Megan and about the story. I do think it is, uh, it took a long time to get here and I totally agree with you that this should have happened in like episode four and we could have had like, we could have had like six episodes, like digging into this and really like meaty, you know, with this and learning about her life. And so sacrifice some trabby drama. Sorry. Oh my gosh. Yes. Um, so anyway, it'll be interesting to see what will happen. So in Mick the next gets, two episodes. yeah, Mick gets the, gets the, uh, the transcript, the, the manuscript. And then we see David's, uh, Christmas time because because uh Jess says oh I had all this plans to do Christmas at the inn or whatever and so David sets up this magical Christmas land and what do you think of that it was cute I'm not gonna lie it was yeah. cute because David's cute and I just think it's charming but yeah. it was cute uh but I just, I don't know. I just wish that they were more dynamic characters. That's yeah. just, I just wish, but oh well. But uh, Jess did say, I love you. So it was the big, I love you. So Yeah, and he gave her a card. Yeah, he gave her a card. <laughs> Hopefully Hallmark card. Yeah. <laughs> Read the card. She's like, I love you. No, you're supposed to say first. Read the card. <laughs> okay, that's awesome. Yeah. yeah, and then we get to Kevin's party. And, uh, and then you see Marie and Mick talking, and this was another really strong scene of the episode, uh, where he says, Brie, we all did the best we could. There's no guidebook on how to parent. And uh, that was really, really good. And you see Brie feeling really bad. And, and he says, you can't publish this. You can't publish it. And so... And she finally kind of admits, I think, that the that the book is about them, is about the family. Yeah. And uh, it, you know, it's interesting because I went to a book reading for an author named Haven Kamel, who okay. writes delightful books, really good. Um, they've been memoirs, uh, but they definitely are very honest. But she has like a witty sort of sensibility about her writing, so like they're honest but like not like not like mean spirit or anything like that from a from a reader right. perspective anyway girl named zippy is her is her first book <laughs> and it's delightful and it was interesting at the book reading somebody asked her like how did your family feel about this because her her dad is prominently portrayed both good and bad her mother both definitely good and bad uh and and in that that case there's no like it's it's them like yeah changes a few names but it's her mom it's her dad it's not like right. this where it's yeah. a fictional story right. anyway and what was really interesting because she's had all the success and she's had a bestseller and everything like that and they asked her you know how her family reacted and said she said it wasn't pretty <laughs> it was it was tough there for a while and she said, they asked her if she would do it all over again. She said, no, absolutely not. I would not. <laughs> Which I thought was really interesting that it was that. Yeah. yeah. So I don't know. That's got to be a tough situation. I mean, I've thought about it because my sister's a published author. She's, she does picture books right now. She'd love to do a right. novel. But if I read 
as I've been watching this season, if I read her novel and I was like, oh, wow, she has this terrible older sister, and I'll be like, oh, that's awkward. But <laughs> so I don't know. I don't think she would ever do that, but you never know, I guess. Um, yeah. <laughs> I don't know how I would react. Uh, I don't think I would say don't publish it because I think I love her enough. And like we are, we, we've communicated enough. And I think maybe that's the problem is that all of this had never been communicated. Right. All of this baggage and, and grudges and, and frustration and everything. Like my sister and I, we know each other. Yeah. <laughs> well, and part of me wonders if Mick sees a lot of, you know, it's, it's very one-sided, obviously. It's from Bree's perspective, you know, even though it's character Bree. Um, and I wonder if he sees a lot of, um where he looks like the hero knowing oh, that he had yeah. a huge part of it and he's like yeah no this is like maybe he knows deep down inside like yeah this was a lot of a lot of very very hard times between me and your mom that you have no idea about and you shouldn't know about and this is our personal business and you're putting it out there for everybody and I also feel like Brie thought that she had a an ally in Nick that she could go to him and be like see this is what I'm writing because you were there you know that the the you know the six of us or seven of us I guess if you include Nell with the five kids and Nick and Nell you know, we all had to band together and get through this and you'll, you'll see. And that way you can talk to mom and let her know, like, sorry, this is the truth. And, you know, we were here, we lived it. And he reads it. He's like, yeah, no, <laughs> I feel like she yeah. thought it was going to be real easy that, that Mick was just going to be on her side, like thinking that because he was there, that he would see everything exactly her way. And he's like, yeah, she yeah. did seem really taken aback that he was, yeah. A big fan of the book which she seemed really surprised it was I, this is what i've been waiting for you know yeah. for three seasons now and so just finally see it come to fruition i just these people are so incredible too the way they played all these scenes and yeah. i'm very excited about that part i just i'm anxious about how it's actually going to play out especially with only two episodes left yeah exactly and so many other loose ends to wrap up i'm just <sighs> yeah yeah, I, I just want some explanation of why Megan didn't have custody and didn't try to try to try a little harder at least to communicate with these these kids. Like especially yeah. now that she's been living them with in that area for quite some time. Like why she seems I don't know. I just I, why did why did it have to come to this? I want a little bit of honesty from her character about that. Uh, I want to be able to understand her character a little bit better. I want, and that's why I think it would be so great if she wrote a book. It would be really interesting. Yeah. Um, and I want to see more about how Mick handles it. Like, I don't, like, just have Trace buy him out. Who cares? Don't even spend any time with Mick with that. <laughs> spend all the time with Mick and Megan figuring this out. And if there's forgiveness that needs to be had, that could all be so compelling. That's what I want right. to see. Can you imagine if they sort of pseudo started dating again and then all of this blew up and then they started like going back to their original like fighting style just because yeah. it was all bringing yeah. up bad. Oh man, that would have been would be like, amazing. <laughs> Especially with like him being so suspect of uh, Thomas and uh, 
yes. in the beginning. Like that would be really good. And I think for him to say, oh, I left out of love. I want to know what that means. Right. I want to know what love means to Megan. I want to know yeah. what, I just want to know more. I want to dive more. I want to know more about the character. I want to know why she didn't try to get custody. I want to know why she didn't at least get some visitation. Is that because Mick stopped her? Is that because she was truly unwell? Is that because she was ashamed? Which it would be really interesting. So I hope they go there. Uh, but I don't know. I just, the, all the problems and conflict of the season have been so brushed aside, so handled that that's what I'm worried about. The next episode, it'll be kind of like by the end of the season, everything will be kind of tied in right. a bow and everything will be fixed. Yeah. Because, I mean, for all we know, she, after a year, she might have come back and Mick said, look, they're finally back to normal again. And you're going to come in here and disrupt everything again. Is that what you want to do? And maybe she felt guilty enough to be like, okay, fine, you're right. The best thing I can do is just stay away because I don't want to cause any more damage. And they're finally settled, you know, but we don't know. And I hope we find out. Yeah, I hope, I hope so that's too. what she means by like, well, I left out of love because I knew that there was a chance I could screw it all up again. So I just yeah. said, okay, you're better with your dad. <laughs> but like, like you said, that, that tweet from Barbara made me really nervous. Cause I'm like, obviously yeah. she knows that not that it, it wasn't explored <laughs> as well, but anyway, but yeah, so hopefully people have found this interesting or edifying or, uh, you know, we share our, our stories. And, and if that's the only thing this show does, then that's a good thing. And if people are talking, I, I believe so strongly in advocating for mental health care. I, I, I think it's crazy that we have it as this shameful thing that you should be embarrassed about. I, you don't get embarrassed when you have a stomach ache. You should not be embarrassed when your brain is hurting and you're having problems. Like it's, right. it's ridiculous. And I have no tolerance for it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, almost everybody goes through something like that. It's just part of being human uh, yeah. is to have a, a mental health crisis in your life and, uh, and, and how you deal with it and your family, especially if you're going to have five, five, five kids from a family. Trust me, I'm from a family of six kids. It gets interesting, yeah. exciting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, yeah, for me, my favorite parts of this episode, I did think, I actually liked Danielle and Connor. I thought they were kind of flirty and fun. And I liked uh, that scene with Connor and Brie. I thought it was really good. And I liked, uh, I did like Megan and I liked uh, the scene between Mick and Brie at the end. I thought they were good. Uh, yeah. I, I was not a fan of Kevin and Sarah and the <laughs> New York drama. I was not a fan of anything with Trace. And and the Abby thing I didn't like at all. So uh, the only thing that with the Trace scenario was Chris. Yeah, I just like Chris. He, he was hilarious. So there you go. I hope you guys can go have some waffles and enjoy yes. this week's shorts. But thanks for coming and talking with us about yeah. this. It was really fun. I love it. Thank you, time. Thank you for having me. <laughs> so uh, where can people find you? online um people can find me on both twitter and instagram as girl gone hallmark great 
and you can find me at Rachel's Reviews on iTunes and on YouTube. Uh, this week on my channel, I have a review of uh, <laughs> Wild Hearts Can't Be Broken. So, and that is such a swoon-worthy Hallmark film that you should all check it out. <laughs> uh, so there we go. Uh, but make sure you guys are following the podcast at Homeworkies Pod on Instagram and Twitter and all of our social media. Let us know what you thought of the episode, uh, what parts rang true for you. We will talk again uh, next week. Bye. All right. Bye. <laughs>